Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 7 and 8 read, Instead, we were like young children among you, just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. You may have a seat. At this time, we're going to go ahead and dismiss our children uh, to the back. I believe they're going to be following Miss Tracy this morning. And while our children are dismissing the children's church, could we give Pastor Paul Mintz a warm welcome for coming to bless us on our D-Now weekend this weekend. Man, I'm so excited to get to be here with you today, and there's some uh, of just some treasured, treasured friends of mine. Uh, my wife and I moved here in December of 1995, moved into uh, the south part of Mansfield, I mean of Shreveport, I live in Mansfield now, I'm Mansfield, Texas, not Mansfield, Louisiana. I remember when we told our church that we were going to go plant a church in Mansfield, they're like, Mansfield what but it's like Mansfield Texas Mansfield Texas and God in in those 10 years and one month in those 121 months God knit some people into our heart and our spirit in a way that they would never be able to be removed but uh, obviously this the ringing of the ears is just joining that that deep connection and uh Leighton, I'm so glad that we had an opportunity to do sound check beforehand he's back there going Mintz Mintz just stop Paul just stop this is you know it's a normal occurrence it's fine students I just want you to know like man I meant that I said it in private but I meant what I said like, I've done student ministry a lot and in a lot of places, um, and I love uh, that I get to still continue to travel. I still do youth camps and uh, weekends like this. Uh, my, my mom says I, I'm still doing them because I will never, ever grow up, which I'm not even, I don't even have a problem with that. I think that's great. Um, but uh, again, we have some of our close, dear close friends right here. And then one of the men that God used to ensure that I would have a healthy breakfast about three out of five days. Uh, he lived about five blocks from me. Mark will hear us in the back. And I'm sitting on the front row. And I look down. I got a text. I usually don't have my phone, but I just did. And Mark Weir, Mark Weir just texted me. He goes, this better be good. You know, I, I drove all the way over here from him. I was like, oh, what, where is he? And so you see me slip around the back. This is, this is one of the, I mean, these are just, this is like, oh, these people mean the world to me. And so getting to come and be a part of something as significant as this is no small thing. Listen to me, church. Moms, dads, listen to me carefully. That right there is not the future of the church. That right there is the church. It is the present of the church. It is currently where God is alive. I tell, I tell people all the time, if you can get the fire of the church with the wisdom of the church, if you can get those who are young with those who got snow on the rooftop, if you can get the people that think God can do anything to connect with the people who, go, who knows what man cannot do, if you can get those together, then the church can be radically transformed. You know the exceptions to the rules. They know the exceptions to your cynicism. You put those two together, man, God can do anything. Yes, but make sure we don't do it outside of God's way. You put those two things together and we will radically transform this part of North Bossier with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Anybody, are you listening? Like, I don't know if you're used to this crap, but you about to, like, I just said crap. And I know you're not supposed to say that in church. Are y'all here? Like, either say yes or no, or just go, oh, Luke, you in trouble. I don't know who you brought in here. This is how we don't, listen, we ain't playing. Mark, tell them, this is how we do it. He's like going, no, they don't even know yet. <laughs> We're going to laugh a lot, but the gospel is serious. I just think we take ourselves too serious. We, we don't take the gospel serious enough, and we take ourselves way too serious. But those are two of the absolutely indispensable foundation stones for the work of the gospel and the impact of the gospel in our lives. We've been talking about, 
uh, if I say the theme, that, did you tell them that, to ask about I'm afraid I'm going to give it away, but is it okay? Like we've been talking about this idea of going and telling people about the good news of Jesus Christ. What does that look like? Why do we do? Why do we, why do we tell folk about Jesus? You know, and I mean, if God's going to save, he's going to save. Listen to me. God is just, a, God is just chosen by, by his sovereign will that the agency through which he gets the grace of God through the, into the hearts of other people is through the agency of you and me. God's just not going to because he is predetermined that this is his plan. He is not going to get the good news of the gospel to others without you being available in that process. Some of you aren't convinced of that yet. I can tell you looking at me like, what? what? Like, what? What, you, what you talking about, Willis? I don't know if that's, no, God's got, listen to me. God has chosen, this is his plan. Jesus said, I'm gonna choose 12, only 11 of them are gonna stick. And then they're gonna vote one more in by rolling the dice. The you're gonna throw me, y'all don't even know that story, but it's in there, got the 12 apostles, we're gonna come back. They're like going, I'm just gonna, you know, whet your appetite. But Pastor, what was he talking about all that stuff? See, see, then you gotta come back to church. You gotta hear more teaching, it's gonna be a good thing. Trying to help you, trying to hook you up, right? Students, yes or no? You did so good. I'm so proud of you. First night, it took me seven times. I had to ask them seven times before they were like, do we speak now? Do we know? You scare me, Paul. You scare me. Look, 1 Thessalonians. Open your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians. This church in Thessalonica, God was moving radically, radically in this church. Jason, can I hand you something that's just bugging me. ADD boy, I can't handle it. Thank you. Um, God is just moving in radical ways among these people in Thessalonica. And, and it, it, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's incredible. And, and the apostles were coming and they established a church there and they just start sharing the gospel. They just, they're doing what Acts 1 8, you know, said that the purpose for us to do is that just you're going to be my witnesses. You're going to be witnesses of the resurrection. You're going to be witnesses that Jesus conquered death. You're going to be witnesses that the work that Christ did on the cross to, to, to redeem us from sin and back to God, and it was displayed that he accomplished that when he conquered death and rose from the grave, that you're going to witness to others of that. You're going to be my witnesses here in Jerusalem. And, 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 and we know that that worked effectively because they started and, you know, like 3,000 people got saved on the day when the very first church was a mega church after the first about two weeks of its existence. There were 120 in the upper room. Peter, you know, loud mouth gets up, talks, 3,000 get saved, baptize them, 3,120. A couple of chapters later, now there's 5,000 men in the church. So they're estimating that's between 15 and 20,000. Eventually they say it grew to about 100,000 that became converts to this thing they were calling the way. Those who were part of the way. Why? Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Right? So they called them the way. Like half of Jerusalem at the time was now following Jesus, which is why we have all this putting them in jail because the Pharisees, Sadducees said, if we don't do something, they're going to completely take over and, and all of our systems of religion and following Yahweh are going to be absolutely decimated. We got to stop them. So Acts chapter 8, they kill right, Stephen, stone him to death. Now finally Jesus says, Judea. Samaria, the uttermost, and they make it all the way to Thessalonica. They're sharing the gospel. Arjun, listen to me, listen to me. They opened their mouths and they told them about what God had done for them, in them, and what they were hoping that he might do through them in their lives. And people were coming to faith in Jesus in radical ways. And we get in this just little two-verse snippet. Now, I mean, I could go a, a lot more in-depth of this, but let me just, let me unpack these two verses with the time that we have remaining. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, the, the apostles. We're talking about 
the disciples. We're talking about these rugged fishermen, these, these former tax collectors, these white-collar criminals that found Jesus, transformed their lives. Y'all do know some of the, the they were white-collar criminals. Anybody, yes or no? Say yes or no. Yes. Did y'all know that? Yes or no? How many did not know that some of the disciples were white-collar? I'm talking about professional white They were criminals. Anybody, anybody not know that? Y'all not raise your hands? Is it asking them to do something in our church? Y'all don't, y'all don't do that? Okay, one Sunday, you're going to raise. How many did not know there were white-collar criminals in the dirty dozen that followed Jesus? You did not? Good. Anybody else? Boy, y'all been, everybody learned? Oh, two? Two, anybody else? Didn't know that? You knew that? You knew that, all right? Students, did y'all know that? Everybody knew it. You just see, I don't even need to preach. What am I preaching for? Y'all already know all this stuff. Mark, did you know that? Okay, you actually did. That's because you were in my church earlier, and I taught you that. Luke, Luke, you and Jason, you're doing a great job. Great job. Good job preaching. Reynolds, apparently you're killing it with the students. Killing it. Not telling you anything you don't already know. So the... I mean, I think church is funnier than most people give it credit for. In chapter 2, we begin to see the apostles begin to talk to them, kind of reflecting on what the journey has been like. And we, and we get this, this two-verse insight, which I think is critical for us as we think about how we are supposed to go about being witnesses. Does that make sense? How many of you understand that the role of every believer, everybody say out loud, do you understand the instructions, yes or no? Everybody say out loud, every believer. Let's say it again with a little more conviction. Every believer is to be a witness of the gospel. Every, I've got children's going to be witnesses. No, I didn't, you don't have to say that one. Because some of y'all don't speak that language. But, but it's, you know, it's bad English, but it's good to y'all. All got children's don't go be witnesses. Now, you might be a really terrible witness. As a matter of fact, matter of fact Jesus said, you're either gathering for me or you are, anybody know what he says? See, you didn't teach them that very well. Ah, I got to do my job. So you're either gathering for me or you are scattering against me. There is no in between. Some of you go, well, I know. I mean, you know, I'll leave that, that witnessing stuff, that junk, you know, that's there. That's, that's what we pay them preachers to do. That's a lie from hell. You've been deceived by a, a watered down gospel that is not the gospel of Jesus. Aren't you glad I came? Don't you like me already? Isn't this fun? Seems like going, what, 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 no, that's, that's, you know, that's Reynolds. He's a, he's a preacher, you know, he's the preacher dude. Listen to me, y'all, listen to me. Do y'all even know the caliber and the quality of spiritual leadership and the spiritual covering that you have over your students in Reynolds more? Do you know that? This would be a good time for the rest of you to applaud the work of God through someone who's been called like coach in this place. We're going to give you one more chance because I tell people, parents pay attention when they're in crisis and every parent of a teen is in crisis. Anybody want to say amen to that? Oh, y'all do say amen. All right. I know that. Thought this was a, 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 a mute church. But anyway, so like either they're great kids and you're in crisis that someone's going to lead them astray or they're on the fence and you're afraid they're going to tip the wrong way or they're walking the wrong way and you're begging God to get them back. Like every parent of a teen is in crisis, coach. And y'all better be thanking God because that man is working full-time in his role as a head coach and full-time trying to figure out how to lead these young people to love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength and then live out their faith and share the gospel with a culture right now of teens that are packing our hospitals out to the point there's a six-month waiting list to get into our psychiatric hospitals to deal with all the depression. Do you know that's true right now? All over America. Coach, thank you for what you're doing. 
Thank you that you don't have to be. Yeah, thank you. Oh, all right. Okay. Oh, if I could do the Michael Jackson, mm, mm, I, would do, but I can't do it. It's just carpet. I could, but I won't. It's all right. I don't want to show off. You ready? Some of y'all, are you ever going to read the Bible? Yes, right now. Okay, calm down. You little preacher boys. Here you go. You ready? First Thessalonians, Jason. <laughs> Jason. I can say it. You can't get away with it, but I can. Because I get to go back to my own church family. And y'all, y'all aren't responsible for what I do. Anyway, so all right, here we go. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7 and 8. Here's what the disciples, the apostles, were saying to the people of God in the church at Thessalonica. And it gives us a picture to these two foundation stones, these two tectonic plates of how the gospel works. Ready? But we were gentle among you. We're talking about, everybody say, we're talking about the disciples. We're talking about the apostles. Say that too. Okay, just before I read the next phrase, I want you to understand that we're talking about fishermen, white-collar criminals, rugged men that have been transformed by the power of the love of God. But we were gentle among you Man, did you know that gentleness is a critical characteristic of masculinity? Did you know that? Yes or no? Yeah, but you just weren't taught that, modeled that, or, or, or displayed that in front of you at all. You just thought to be a man is to just be a jerk. For Jesus, of course. Some of our dads did us no favors when they completely neglected gentleness. Verse 7, but we were gentle among you. Oh, it's finna get crazy up in here. It's going to get cray-cray. Talking about some of you, mine, blown. Some of your masculinity and this archetype of overdone, over, over, chest-beaten tattoos. Look, I'm not all about your tattoos. You want some tattoos? Get all you want. They're going to be there forever. I just say, don't get a tattoo until you're old enough to understand the concept of permanent This is just a cause, a thought. Anyway. But we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. I want you to think about, listen to me, look at me right here, look, look right here. If you're watching online right I want you to listen to me because this is, listen to me. I want you to think about a mom nursing the baby, latching on, and anybody know how, don't you do coaching with birthing and all that? What's that called? Yeah, what is it called? This is science, sweetheart. Just tell me what the scientific term is. You can go with your mom. I don't know what to say that. What is it? Lactation consulting. Lactation consulting. No, I want to say the words. Listen, listen to the words that are coming out of my mouth. I'm just quoting to you the Bible. Thank you. Like a nursing mama taking care of her little children, nursing them, feeding them, 
with my body the way God designed a mama to be able to feed a little bitty baby, nursing little baby. This is how we, the apostles, rugged fishermen, rugged men, this is how we, we, we cared for you. Do you understand the intimacy and the tenderness? Do you understand the affection and the bond that a mommy has with her nursing baby? And, and the apostles are saying, I want you to think about that depth of intimacy. That's how much we loved you. That's how we feel for you. That's how we care for you. Verse 8. So, therefore, anytime you see the word so or therefore, you need to ask yourself what it's therefore. So in light of what I just described with that vivid biblical illustrating, illustration, he says so because that's true, being a affectionately desirous of you we were ready listen look at me students look at me students look at me students we were ready are you listening say yes or no we were ready to share with you not only the gospel you mean there's more now be careful careful Theologically, no, but existentially and practically, yes, because there's two tectonic foundation stones that the gospel comes across from me to you. You ready? Not only were we ready to share with you the gospel of God, but also our own lives, our own Selves. It literally means the very essence of everything we have to care for you because you had become so dear to us. We talked about that last night, didn't we? We just talked about this idea. Do we really care as much about our friends as those four crazy friends cared about Bob. We don't know his name. We just named him Bob. What happens to Bob? We don't want Bob. Yeah, they were not. So anyway. I just want to give you quickly as I possibly can some uh, applications growing up and out of this text. I hope to Make it as personal and as practical as I possibly can. There are two cornerstones of kingdom impact. There are two of them. There are two tectonic plates that kind of shift and move in the sharing of the good news of Christ with others. One of those you've heard me describe already is the word of God. The other is the lives of people. In other words, for those of us who are going to be witnesses, we've got to actually act upon these two things. And for those of us who are teachers of God's word and those of us who are witnesses, everybody say, that's me. For those of us who are teaching you and instructing you in the word of God, that's us. And those of you who are going to go and share the good news of gospel with those around you, everybody say, that's me. Okay, because that's all of our opportunity, all of our privilege, right? We've got to understand these two important pieces. We have to exegete or like pull up and out of the word of God. We've got to exegete the word of God correctly. We've got to share God's word the truth of God's word accurately, but we also have to exegete the lives of people. Some of us are scratching itches that people 
don't have. And then we wonder why the gospel doesn't seem to be relevant to them. You're answering questions from the word of God that the people you're trying to share the good news of God with, you're answering questions that they don't have. You're taking relevant truth, but that's irrelevant to them because they don't really need to know that part. Like, I need to know how to raise my, like my little baby. I need to know how to potty train and you try to teach me how to raise a teenager. Do you see how this doesn't seem to be helpful? I just want them to stop pooping and they pull up. And you try to teach them how to be back in on time for curfew. You see, you got to exegete the word of God, but it's got to land in the lives of people in a way that's relevant to where they're hurting, what they're feeling, what they're thinking, what they're doubting, what they're questioning. And when we take the gospel and we don't put it in the lives of people, we actually abort the truth of God's word because we make it irrelevant, not God's word is irrelevant. So let me just start with the word of God for a second. I, I, I'm concerned as I travel and speak and, and Luke and I work with church planters all over and now I'm doing more and more with the established churches that have been you know, up and running 30, 50, 150 years. I'm coaching one of the pastors uh, in Plainview, Texas, First Baptist Church, Plainview. I think they're 150 years old. And somewhere along the way, we as Americans decided that we could do life God's way without God's word. We decided we could do the work of God void of the word of God. It's almost like, yeah, 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 I know the Bible says, but if you're going to be relevant in our culture, you got to, you know. And yes, it's got to be found, it's got to land, it's got to connect to the lives of people, but it's got to start with the truth, unchanging, life-transforming understanding of the Word of God. It's got to start with God's Word. We got nothing else. Anybody want to say, that's a good place for an amen. I am preaching far better than you are amening. I don't know what y'all been taught up all up in here, but my church ain't a quiet church. Y'all yelling at football games, LSU stuff, junk. Woo! Y'all lose y'all mind over LSU baseball. You come to church, got the transforming truth of the word of God. You're like, That is good preaching, pastor. It's an interesting dynamic. That's something I'm still working on. Um, I don't know about you, but I kind of, in, in my past, I kind of prided myself on my sense of direction. Any of you just kind of proud, any men, you just kind of like, you know what? I know, I just, I, you put four men in the right drive. I could get from where I am to where we need to go. I just find a way. Anybody like, kind of like, my, my sense of direction is great. About, about a decade ago, just a part of my brain just died. It's just my sense of like, I can't, I just, I, I just gave up. And maps, Waze, anybody know what the Waze app is? Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit inspired that person to make that app. Like I have completely given up. I have surrendered my life completely to the power of Waze. And thank God, because about three years ago, I'm driving down 35, I'm speaking in Austin, Texas, and, and, and it's just wide open highway. I mean, I'm like barreling down. I'm not going to tell you how many miles an hour I'm going because you don't know what the speed limit is. You might tend to judge me. But I am barreling down the highway, wide open spaces in front of me, and Waze said, uh, rerouting, you need to exit now. You need to exit now. You need to exit now. And I'm like going, I don't need to exit now. It's like, you need to exit. And I finally just went, you know what? You know what? Like, when I don't do what the Waze says, it don't always work out real good. So I went, all right. And I kind of went, I took the exit, and I'm driving down and just... Just up over the rise, I come up over a rise, and there was a one-hour shutdown from a wreck, and I didn't get caught in that because I listened to ways. 
What scares me is how some of us will surrender more to an app than we will to the Spirit speaking to us through the power of his word. Well, I know the Bible says, but I mean, let's get real. Let's get practical. I mean, we got to operate in the real world, Paul. Real world, Pastor Lou. I mean, Reynolds, you know, I know the Bible says all this stuff about, you know, no sex before marriage. I mean, but nobody really does that. I mean, come on. You know, it's just, it's just we weren't teenagers. It's just, well, you know, it's just everybody's doing it. Everybody's drinking. Everybody's that. And everybody's puffing and passing. Everybody, like everybody coach. Don't get so crazy. Listen to me. The word of God is the word of God for a reason. And when we choose not to surrender to its ways, we always suffer the consequences. You can't share the good news of the gospel outside of the truth of God's words. The ends do not justify the means if the means violate God's word. Now, does that make sense at all? And so I'm just learning to be that dependent upon God's word like I am God's app called the ways. Hebrews chapter four, verse 12 says it this way, for the word of God is living and active sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit of joints and marrow and is discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Listen to me. The word of God is your transcendent, piercing success map. It is going to save you from countless, needless, absolute landmines that you're going to step on if you're not careful. Listen to me. A lot of us as parents are nursing wounds now because we violated God's word then. And you just keep doing it. How's that working out for you? If we're going to have the kind of kingdom impact that God wants this church to have like he did the Church of Thessalonica, we've got to do it God's way, according to God's word. Oh, let me just say one more thing and then we, let me. The truth is that every area, everybody write this down. Every area, everybody write this down. Every area, write this down. Moms and dad, if you're not reaching for a pen, a lipstick, a highlighter, an eyebrow pencil, or you're not ripping off a fingernail and getting the blood and using the blood to write it down, you're not letting me help you right now. Listen to me. Write this down. Every area of my life, I'm saying my because I want you to write it in first person, you know, first, first person singular. Every area of my life should feel the impact of God's word. There should be no little sacred safe place that you reserve like all these other areas, I'm going to do it God's way. But when it comes to my money, Pastor, stop trying to get in my pockets and get my money. Listen to me. That mindset will destroy you. That's called greed. Remember what the Bible said about stewardship? It all belongs to him. Pastor, we, I didn't think we were going to talk about money. Listen, we're not talking about money. We're talking about the foundation of the word of God and the transforming work of God's word in your life. But I'm just saying it does apply. And when some of us go, yeah, but I know the Bible says I ought to give the first tenth of the Lord, the tithe that's the Lord's not even mine. He stewarded all to me so I can steward back the first tenth. And then the other 90%, I'm supposed to steward in such a way that pleases and honors him and goes about showing that he is the Lord of my life because all, all of it's his and I'm a steward of that which he's entrusted to me. I'm a mindset of the mindset of a steward, not an owner. That's living according to the word of God. And the word of God should apply to that area. Is that yes or no? Okay, let's just go. You, okay, well, so you're so responsive to that. Let's go one more. The word of God, listen to me, every area of your life should feel the impact of God's word. Let's just talk about sexuality. One man, one woman for life. I, I love you, 
But let's be clear. Swinging is not in God's plan. Well, but of course not. No, don't talk to me like that. Don't even look at me like that. Don't act like I don't know what I'm talking about. In Corinthians, the apostle Paul had to say to the church in Corinthians, because this was happening in the church, hey, I hear that one of you is sleeping with your dad's new wife. And that's sick, and you need to stop that in Jesus' name. In other words, the word of God applies to your money, to your sexuality, to your business, to your parenting. To There is no area that we should say is off limits to God's piercing truth. No, no amens to that? Amen? All right, that's good. All right, just make sure I say a word. Let me read you Hebrews 4, 12 in the uh, J.B. Phillips translation. Powerful, powerful. For the word of God that, for the word that God speaks is alive and active. It cuts more keenly than a two-edged sword. It strikes through to the place where the soul and the spirit meet to the innermost intimacies of a man's being it exposes the very thoughts and motives of a man's heart no creature has ever cover any cover from the sight of God everything lies naked and exposed before the eyes of him with whom we have to do See, the devil disguises himself as an angel of light. He is called the great deceiver. And here's how he deceives us. You ready? Here's how it lands in the lives of people. This is how, these are the two tectonic plates. You ready? Here's the word of God and here's the lives of people. Here's our lives. And if we're going to be an effective kingdom impact, we're going to be an effective kingdom witness, we've got to go. You know what? I can't keep violating the word of God in my life and expecting other people to see and believe that Jesus can radically transform you if I'm not living in truth. Here's how the devil deceives us. Well, I just feel like God's telling me that I can this. Does that make sense at all? Well, I just feel like, listen to me, listen to me. Do you know how often your feelings fail you? And when your feelings do not line up with the faultless truth of God's word. You have to turn your back on your feelings and hold tightly to the truth of God's word so that the word of God can land in the lives of your heart, the, 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 the portions of your heart, and then you live the truth and it begins to transform your life and your life becomes a sweet aroma to those around you. And then when you share the gospel, they go, wow, that's worth listening to. He's my two-minute call to end, just so you know what he's doing. The Word of God does three powerful things and has the authority to do these powerful things. I want you to write these three things down. Number one, has the authority to evaluate your life. Number two, to inform your life. And number three, to direct your life. The Bible has the authority to evaluate, to assess, to call you out, to affirm what's right, to rebuke what's wrong. The proper action on my part and yours is simply to agree with God's verdict on sin as judged by Christ on the cross. Anywhere that Jesus in God's word assesses or verdict gives a verdict of sin in my life, I am just to agree with that and then take the appropriate response. 
the, the proper action on mine and your part is to agree with God's verdict on success in my life. And if I call something success and God calls it not, then we agree with God. To agree with God's verdict on money in my life. To agree with God's verdict on sexuality in my life. Or any other category of life because the Word of God is where we get our understanding for all of life and practice. Teenagers, stop looking to memes. Stop looking to media. Stop looking to social media. Stop looking to your friends. Stop pooling your ignorance to figure out what decisions would be right. Look to the Word of God. Does that make sense, yes or no? Because your friends are going to deceive you because they're deceived. But the Word of God will never deceive you. The Word of God has the power to inform your life. The most important thing about you and me is what God says about you and me. And so many of us, so many of us live in a, 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 a sense of inferiority because we don't let the Word of God inform us as to our worth and value before a loving Heavenly Father. The Word of God has the authority to not only inform us, but to direct us. Our decisions, our attitudes, our thoughts. It directs us when it comes to conflict. Stop running around when you have conflict with other people and telling everybody how terrible they are. That is a violation of God's word. Matthew 18 says to go to that person so that the conflict is contained so that restoration can be made and you can be back together in sense of one accord because God's desire in John 17 is what? That we would all be one even as he and the Father. So why? Because that our oneness is some of our greatest witness. It informs us. It directs us. And here are the two, hey, let me give you the application, you ready? Here's the two questions that you want to constantly ask in light of these two tectonic plates. Write them down. Highlighter, eye, eyebrow pencil, pen, lipstick. Reach for it now. Write this down. Electronic device, type it in. You ready? This is going to create a culture. You already do this, but let me just affirm what you're doing. You ask the question, anytime you come up with any issue, what does God's word say about that? You're in a community group. You're hanging out on the weekends. You're having a social drink. Nobody does that. Of course you don't. But if, if, if you see somebody doing that, you would never do that. Of course, all right? When you're having a social drink with someone, when you're playing golf with someone, when you're doing business deals, and you have a question come up, you have a thought, man, I wonder what I should do here. The first thought that should hit your mind is what does God's word have to say about that? This is the first thought that ought to hit your mind, teenagers. Well, hey, man, you want to go to say what? We're all going to go through blah, blah, Well, before I say yes or no, let me connect to what God's word says about that. Then I'll have the knowledge and the wisdom to know how to respond to your invitation. What does God's word have to say that? The next one is, and this is the biggie. What does God's word say about that? And what am I going to do with what God's word says about that? What, what are you going to do about that? Well, I, here's, let me tell you what. Here's the problem. Look at me, students. Look right here. Look up here. Right here. You ready? Right here. You with me? Yes or no? Listen, here's what we do. I know the Bible says, but... And if you did it then, you're doing it now. And some of you are so deceived, you've done it so long, you don't even recognize it anymore. That's how scary that pattern of sin is. We know the truth. And every Sunday we come and we're informed of more truth that we, with full intention, are just going to go live in non-obedience and non-adherence to. If we don't put these two things in place, the Word of God and the application of that Word in the life of my heart and those around me. If you don't say, before you make a decision, what does God's Word say about that? And what am I going to do with that? You will live in constant disobedience and then wonder, why is God doing this to me? God ain't doing that to you. You doing that to yourself. You just letting the devil blame 
your sinful consequences on a good God who never invited you to take those, those steps or make those choices in the first place. I love you. You need to hear this. And when we live, the, listen to me, when we live this out, then our lives add value to the world around us. They don't trip up the world around us. Let me just close. Let me just close. I think there's some of us that we know the truth intellectually. But if we really had to get honest, I'm talking about gut level honest. We'd have to say, I've never really done anything with what the Bible says is available to me when it comes to salvation. I, I, I know that, you know, Christ died on the cross. Oh, I believe that. And I, I know that he rose from the dead. Oh, I believe that. And I know that he can save sinners. Yeah, I know about that. But intellectual, it's like me when my doctor, you know, I had a heart attack, had four stents put in my heart, survived all that, I'm doing great. And the doctor said, you're going to take this medicine that's going to work on the blockages. You're going to take, but this medicine is going to work on your arrhythmia issues. And you're going to take this and say, I know exactly, oh, I understand what those are for. Now I've actually filled those prescriptions. They're on my, on my, on my little shelf in my little linen closet next to the thing that's perfectly organized because my wife is OCD and well, actually she's, she's. CDO, which is OCD in alphabetical order because she's OCD, so OCD. But anyway, so it's like, I mean, it's all right there. But if I don't actually apply those medicines to my body every day, what good do those do me? And if you don't apply the truth of the gospel to your own heart, what, what good is it doing? You got to receive that. It's as simple as ABC. Some of you, this is going to mess you up because I'm going back to vacation Bible school. I'm going to go like super simple on you. But here it is. You can receive, look, what does God's word say about salvation? And what are you going to do about it? It's as simple as ABC. A, you have to admit that you need a Savior. Can't save myself. My sin separates me from God. Look, I know Christ died on the cross because I had rebelled against God. I do know I can't save myself. Y'all, are y'all hearing this? B is I believe that Jesus Christ and Christ alone is the only one who can save me. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one gets to the Father except through me. I believe that. I admit it. I believe it. And C is I choose as an act of my will to put my faith and trust not in my own way of doing life, but in Jesus Christ and Him alone as the only one who can save me. I'm going to get off the treadmill of trying harder and doing better and I choose what Christ has done for me already. I'm going to let what Christ did on the cross be applied to my heart. Act, Ephesians chapter 1 verses about 1 through 13 is all the work, the finished work of Christ, what he's done for us. And then verse 13 and 14 it just says, and when you believe, you received that's when you were saved for John 112 uh, John 112 I guess it is and to all who received him to them he gave the right to become the children of God even to those who believe on his name have you received Christ have you put your full faith and trust in him have you admitted believed and chosen him as Savior and Lord. Just allowed him to do the work of forgiveness and redemption in your heart. You can do that right now. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege of this moment and this morning. God, I believe that there are people here that they've been in church for years upon years upon years. But maybe this morning for the first time they realize that being in church doesn't make you a Christian any more than being in a garage makes you a car. And they realize that if the Spirit of God doesn't come to live inside of me, then I'm not a son or daughter of God. Maybe this morning, for the first time, they heard what the Bible says and they want to act upon it in faith and say, I admit it, I believe it, and I choose to yield my life to the work of Christ to save my soul. Maybe you just want to pray that prayer with you. Just keep your eyes closed, your heads bowed right where you are. Maybe right now you just say this. 
Pastor Paul, I, 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 need, to, I need to pray that prayer. I just think, you know what? I've never done that. I've heard all about it my whole life. I thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I've never truly, personally prayed and invited Christ to come into my heart. Students, some of you came all weekend long. You heard all about the training, heard all about God's word taught, but you've never received Christ in your own heart. Maybe this is your moment. Adults, parents, listen to me. The worst thing that could happen is you not hear from God and you end up being a wet blanket on the new fire that's been fanned into flames in your students' hearts. Maybe right now you need to receive Christ. Can you just pray that prayer with me very simply? Maybe you've never done this before. Maybe today is your moment of salvation. You just say, oh, Heavenly Father, just pray that in your prayer best you know how. Pray that prayer in your heart. God, I admit I'm a sinner and I can't save myself. I need a Savior. Just go pray this prayer. God, I believe, say this to him, Jesus, I believe you're the one and only Savior of all of mankind. You alone can save me. And then say this to God's heart. God, I choose to put my full trust and dependency upon you to be my Lord. I turn from my own way of life and living, from being in control of my life, and I turn and give you full control of my heart. I confess you as Lord. I receive you as Savior. Now, now, with no one looking around but me, if you just prayed that prayer, you really meant it. First time, you've never done that before. But you prayed that prayer and you really meant it. Would you just open your eyes and look up at me and let me see your eyes? You did? You just prayed that prayer and really meant it. First time ever. Yes or no? Yes or no? Okay, you did? All right. You did, my man? All right. Anyone else? You did? All right, Reynolds, you got some follow-up work after this? Right. Anyone else on the far right side? Pastor, I prayed that prayer. Now, really, been. let me just see your eyes. You can look up at me and you can look right back, right back down. All right. Anyone in the back? All right. Any of you in this center section, you just look up at me. Let me see your eyes. Say, Pastor, I just prayed that prayer and I really meant it. If I don't see your eyes, you can just slip up your hand. This center section right here. What about this far left side? Pastor, I just prayed that prayer and I really meant it. If I don't see your eyes, let me see your hand. All right? Okay. Thank you. Thank you, young man. Maybe you're watching online right now. Just go into the comments and say, I prayed that prayer with Pastor. We'll follow up with you and help you to know what your next steps are. Father, thank you for the privilege of being a part of these moments with this family of faith. I'm going to invite you to stand if you don't mind. And I just want us to take a moment to just maybe respond in a, in a song, a prayer, a faith. But just remember, you can sing a lie as easy as you can say one. So make sure that as we sing, that this is coming from a genuine place in our heart. Philip, you want to lead us? Let's sing this together.